Remember when we first heard of this thing called the internet? We'd have to wait a few minutes to connect our modem. Then once connected, we'd stumble through this lawless, uncharted world. We could look up fun facts, send electronic mail, and maybe, if we were game enough, enter our credit card details and actually buy something. The scary part is, it wasn't that long ago, and the rate at which we embrace the internet has surpassed any other technology. And it looks like this is just the beginning of the beginning, as far as the impact the digital revolution will have on our lives. You see, there's this thing called the blockchain, and it promises to be an even bigger leap forward in how we all connect in every facet of life. There's been a stack of hype around its potential, but most of us know it as the platform that makes Bitcoin and other cryptos happen. But we're pretty obsessed with the blockchain at Future Sandwich. We think it's something we should all start innovating in and around today. So we decided to dedicate an episode to it. We're going to look at all the things the blockchain is capable of beyond Bitcoin and talk with some people making that happen. We'll catch up with Olga Mack, professor at Berkeley School of Law, about the intersection of blockchain and smart contracts and how this connection can change pretty much all of our institutions. And the world of business is in the process of embracing smart contracts. We'll see numerous applications in IoT, financial sector, supply chain, and numerous others. And introduce the Australian startup that has just raised a stack of money to create a blockchain-based solar energy trading platform that we can all profit from. Being able to monetize your excess energy in the same way you can monetize your spare room through Airbnb is the future of energy supplies. And finally, we caught up with Jamie Skeller, co-founder of MyVote and Horizon State. It's a company that in 2018 went to the World Economic Forum and came home with the Tech Pioneer Award for its blockchain voting system. Look, I think excitingly, um Utilising blockchain for something like voting is something, you know, it's an emerging technology, but this is something that can be uh, uh, applied in a meaningful way right now. We, we quite literally have the opportunity to utilise this technology as a springboard into some kind of utopia. My name is Tommy McCubbin, and this is Future Sandwich, episode 21, Blockchain Beyond Bitcoin. Oh, and did I mention we have a familiar voice joining the Future Sandwich team on a permanent basis? Andre, Matt and I are pumped to share the news that Australia's top futurist and author of The Great Fragmentation and Lesson School Forgot, Steve Sammartino, will be joining us every episode to thrill, frighten and enlighten us all on what is on our horizon. It's fitting we open with Samma to get what I think is the single best articulation and explanation of the blockchain and its potential. Without further ado... Here's Steve Sammartino. Thanks, Tommy. Totally pumped to be part of Future Sandwich. I feel like I've been let in the house. Exciting times. Well, blockchain's really interesting. You know, it, it's not easy to understand. And I think the reason is that most of us don't understand the internet. So before we can describe blockchain, we actually have to describe what happens on the internet. Basically, everything that we get on the internet is a copy. So the internet's kind of like a giant fax machine. Actually, it uses the same technology. If you get an email or you get a photo or you watch a video, basically a set of code was sent to your computer to rebuild it at the other side. So then there's two copies of it or more copies as it gets shared. So it's a giant fax machine. And that's cool when we're just sharing information where there's more than one copy of it. But when we need to share things that have value and transact online, 
with things like money or land titles or things that we only want to have one copy of it, that's what the blockchain can do. The blockchain allows us to send things where the person who sends it no longer has the original and it goes to the person at the other end. And the way that's done is through cryptography, which is fancy maths that makes sure that you don't have the original once it's been sent. You see, not a bad description, eh? Now, Sam, just hit us with five ways you reckon the blockchain is going to change the world. Number five. Like, just imagine if you had a time machine and you could go back and see someone in 1991 or 1993 and say, yo, this internet thing is going to be big. Well, this is what the blockchain is now. And because it's slow and it's got some challenges, it's got challenges with speed and energy consumption, it's got technological challenges. But we're going to get through them just like we did with the internet. I mean, this is a huge opportunity that people should be working on now. And it's really hard to frame that in your mind, but we just need to remember how far we've come. It's like 1991 for the blockchain, and it's going to change everything. Number four. Real bugbear of mine is this idea of the sharing economy. No one's sharing anything. They're renting and they're taking money. You know what they're doing? They're aggregating people's data and inventing this kind of centralised trust, which I don't think needs to be there. And you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Lyft, Uber, TaskRabbit, Airbnb. I don't think those companies are going to last. I think they're going to be one of the first internet companies to be disrupted. And blockchain's the technology that'll do it. This is crazy, this idea of Lyft drivers and Uber drivers giving 30% of every ride to Uber. Under the blockchain, we can build a system of trust where we all take 1%, 1%, just 1% of the rides and put it into a software pool that develops the code that's needed a little bit into the marketing fund and all the drivers become the financial beneficiaries of the business that they're building. That's something we can do with blockchain. All of the largesse that has happened with the internet has actually been aggregated into very few financial technological hands. And the blockchain can really disrupt that. The biggest wealth creation event in human history, otherwise known as the internet, has fallen into a few hands. It's kind of not the dream that we all envisaged. So blockchain-based Uber, blockchain-based Airbnb, all of these things where we can have distributed trust become possible in a blockchain economy, where the people doing the work can become the beneficiaries, where we have almost like a digital commons, you know, almost like a share farming situation using digital assets. We become digital craftspeople, but instead of giving it to some centralised software organiser, we get to keep it, and we bloody well should. Number three. So fake is something really interesting that happens with technology. The more technology we get, the easier it is to make fake versions of pretty much anything. And so we've seen fake news and even now deep fakes. So deep fakes are those videos where you take a few minutes of speaking from someone and some photos and next thing you know, you can concoct a video of someone saying something that they didn't even say and that's crazy. It's dangerous for democracy. It's dangerous for people who can be vilified. But on the blockchain, because we have a sequence of events which is unhackable and everything that is timestamped, we might be able to do in the future something like a prime minister or a president's speeches. All of their speeches 
are put in the blockchain on the day, the event, and the location, which is indisputable to show whether or not they said that. So any second we see someone trying to promote some form of fake news or a fake video, bang, we just go straight back to the political blockchain. Did they say it? Did it happen? And all of a sudden, truth makes a comeback. Number two. So right now, artists and musicians have a real problem on the internet. So they sell their attention now when they used to sell records. You know, once upon a time, you would do the concert almost free to make money out of the record sales. And now it's almost like you give away your artistry and hope that you'll make money out of the concert. So it's kind of reversed. But with the blockchain, I think artists in many different forms can get the rewards they deserve for their creativity. I don't know if you know this, the listeners out there, it's like, I think you've got to download seven trillion times on Spotify, your song, just to get 33 cents. And so I'm exaggerating. But in the future, based on blockchain, under a smart contract, a song can become like a quasi business. You put your song up on the blockchain. And every time someone accesses that through cryptography, you might be able to get paid a small amount, no matter where it's downloaded. If someone wants to use it in a TV ad, it has a different smart contract with a different amount. And so the song becomes almost like a distributed autonomous organization that can earn its own money as an asset in the digital marketplace. The internet that's the fax machine doesn't allow for that. Blockchain allows creative people making artistry or digital designs for 3D printing to make money out of their creative input. And that's good news for everyone. Number one. An interesting use of the blockchain is imagine all of the data that you have financially that's in banks and social media and with your credit card companies in all these different places. Imagine if you owned and controlled all of your own data and you had it protected behind a cryptographic key that you held. And if you wanted to get a home loan, instead of getting all your different receipts and bank statements and expenses and then shipping that off to a bank to assess whether or not you're worthy, imagine this. Imagine if you could give various banks the key to all of your personal and financial data. And they get the key and they have a look at it. But here's the cool bit. Because it's your data and you own and control it, they pay you for the right of that key. And then all the banks come back to you with an offer for a loan. And the bank that gets the loan in the end, they get back their money for paying for the key because they get the business. But all of the others, they pay you for the opportunity to get your business. That's the power of data. And if you own and control your data, we can create all these different businesses. And why would a bank do that? Well, it's certainly cheaper than going to Facebook and Google and trying to spy on people who might be looking for a house to throw mud at the wall and try and find someone they can advertise a home loan to, well, they know that you're the person who's looking for a home loan. You just told them and you put a smart contract in place. And unless you actually sign on for a home loan, you don't get paid that money. The money that the banks are paying you for your data has a smart contract, which is executed when you buy a house. It's cheaper than the bank spending millions on advertising. They go direct to the person who needs a loan. You get paid for your data, which is your asset and you should own, and everyone's better off. This is one amazing example that the blockchain will make possible. Those examples are huge. 
Here's another demonstration of blockchain's potential beyond Bitcoin from Olga Mack, UC Berkeley School of Law, on a concept Samma touched on, smart contracts. Let's talk about smart contracts. I hate to disappoint you, though. Smart contracts also have a misguiding name. They're not really smart, as in, this little girl is very smart. And they're not really contracts, as in, pages of pages of legalese where you sign at the bottom and date, not that kind of contract. They're really pieces of code that codify business logic. And at the core, they facilitate three functions. One, they store rules. Two, they verify rules. And three, they self-execute rules. I tend to think of them as very secure vending machines. So, for example, every vending machine stores a rule that if you insert a dollar, you may get a snack of choice. And then when you go and insert, in fact, a dollar, it verifies the correct amount. And after verification, voila, a happy moment, you get a snack of choice. That is kind of how smart contracts work. And because they are blockchain application, there is no intermediary. There is no broker. There is no escrow agent. There is no government corporation, not even a lawyer. It executes automatically. So to summarize, smart contracts are pieces of code. They're very secure, and they self-execute. That's very exciting. And the world of business is in the process of embracing smart contracts. We'll see numerous applications in IoT, financial sector, supply chain, and numerous others. And numerous other ways, including energy. Thankfully, solar panels are capturing real energy really cheap from our sun. And the cost of the technology required to make it happen is plummeting. It's inevitable that the panels will capture most of the energy we require. And when we do, founders of PowerLedger, David Martin and Gemma Green, think we can even profit from it too. A Perth company has set up a new platform for homeowners to trade solar energy. The startup PowerLedger lets people living in apartment blocks and units sell their unused solar energy to their neighbours. Being able to monetize your excess energy in the same way you can monetize your spare room through Airbnb is the future of energy supplies. Our first trial was at the National Lifestyle Villages in Busselton and that went from August to December 2016. And we showed how peer-to-peer uh, -peer trading would work between uh, what they call prosumers, people with solar panels, and consumers, people that didn't. And it demonstrated that people that didn't have solar panels could purchase renewable electricity more cheaply than if they were to buy it from their energy company. And those that did have solar panels could get a better return. And that was a very successful trial showing how our platform could integrate into, into households. And have you ever wondered, while you wait in a queue at your local primary school to vote, why we still need to put a piece of paper in a box? Well, hopefully for not much longer. Andre, Future Sandwiches writer and researcher, caught up with blockchain expert Jamie Skeller, co-founder of MyVote and Horizon State, to tell how they're planning to make our votes blocks on the chain. It's a relatively um, 
recent story, I suppose. You know, blockchain's still really, really new. And so anybody who's been inside of the blockchain space or the cryptocurrency space, even for, for a few years, is really considered a bit of a veteran because um, it all only really started to explode sort of 2008, 2009 uh, with the release of Satoshi's white paper for, for Bitcoin. And of course, everything that's come after that. Um, I'd been doing a lot of research in blockchain around 2012, 13, 14. Um, and it was 2014 that I was really sort of... Um, captured um, philosophically by what the potential could be for blockchain based on uh, the Ethereum project. So it was more than just currency. Uh, it was more than just um, you know redesigning um, global finance as if that wasn't profound enough, but it really opened my mind to the ways that this technology could be applied for, for greater good and social good and, uh, and societal progress in many other areas. Um, one of these was voting. Uh, so I was working with Adam Jacoby, the uh, the co-founder um, of MyVote, and um, terrific constitution, uh, incredible vision. Um, part of part of what we needed to achieve as MyVote was being able to have a, a frequent and immediate conversation uh, with people in the Australian community on issues that affected them. Uh, of course, it's not really reasonable to, to believe that we can send out postal votes or stand up polling stations for every issue that affects you or your family or your community uh, at the issue uh, on the cadence these kind of issues occur and so we really had to think about this internet voting thing again uh, you know inherently insecure lots of people going oh, that sounds kind of scary but um, because I'd been doing a lot of work uh, in blockchain at the time um, it seemed to me there'd be a real opportunity to repurpose a blockchain transaction. So uh, conceptually thinking about a Bitcoin transaction, which is immutable and irreversible. Uh, it's perfectly accountable, perfectly transparent. Um, and th those all seem like great qualities of, of um, a voting system, basically. Uh, and so we spent a few months building out what we call an MVP, a minimum viable product, uh, and it worked. Uh, and so from there, everything sort of went a little bit nuts. And so what other ideas can we expect to start seeing soon that will be born on the blockchain? Look, I think excitingly, um, utilising blockchain for something like voting is something, you know, it's an emerging technology, but this is something that can be uh, uh, applied in a meaningful way right now. Uh, obviously, the work I'm doing with Horizon State is happening right now. Our voting tech has been up and running since February. But more broadly speaking, um, supply chain, as I alluded to earlier, um, is a perfect example of where this is and can be applied right now. Um, I believe uh, it's a company called Everledger who is working on the specific use case I, I talked about earlier, which is um, basically capturing 40-odd characteristics of any given diamond at the side of mine and then being able to track that throughout the entire supply chain, uh, which helps us make much more appropriate and informed decisions about where we get our diamonds uh, and avoiding the kinds of um, misconduct and mistreatment that can happen and does happen in that supply chain. Um, I'm currently advising a uh, Australian startup called Blockgrain, who is modernising um, the supply chain for, for grain for farmers in Australia and eventually all around the world. Um, you've got examples of humanitarian aid that have already um, been actioned uh, and are more underway, which includes for example, the United Nations um, at Jordanian uh, camps, scanning in uh, the retinas of, of Syrian refugees as they come in the gates and applying more or less sort of food stamps, food vouchers to this uh, biometric ID, which is then claimable at the stores throughout the food camps simply with a retina scan. So uh, this uh, basically, cryptocurrency without the need for a phone or any kind of digital device because a lot of the time these refugees don't have it but by having that food stamp registered on a, a blockchain an immutable irreversible ledger uh, which is uh, linked specifically to biometric id it stops things such as double spend you know refugees trying to claim more than what they are entitled to but also um, stops things like robbery and theft within those camps of other people's 
food stamps, they're vouchers. And so you'll walk into one of these uh, uh, stores within a camp and they'll scan your retina and they'll more or less deduct the balance and away you go with your food. So these are all um, really profound use cases that were not so long ago completely impossible. And so if that's what we can expect to see in, say, the next five years, what can we imagine beyond that? We, we quite literally have the opportunity to utilise this technology as a springboard into some kind of utopia, um, a world where we have um, incredible equality, uh, distribution of ownership and, and wealth generation. Um, of course, this is utopian and we are a long way potentially from that, but we are setting the groundwork for how that could be achieved. Um, Decentralised autonomous organisations, um, the disintermediation of institutions who are effectively for-profit wealth accumulators uh, and not necessarily a lot more. So. Um, it could go either way. There are a lot of potential dystopian applications for this technology as well. Um, like all technology, it is agnostic. It can be used for both good and evil, uh, and inev inevitably it, it will be used for both good and evil. Um, but I think we're already starting to get over a lot of the evil applications. You know, thinking about um, drugs and trafficking and, and these kinds of applications, most people probably would have heard of Silk Road. Um, but this isn't unusual and this isn't new. When we think about the birth of the internet, uh, there was uh, lots of uh, really nasty things going on and there still are, but ultimately what happens is the good use cases outweigh the bad. Uh, and so as long as we can continue on that trajectory for blockchain, then that idea that uh, it'll create um, a, a better world for everybody and, and quite literally play a part in redesigning how societies organise ourselves, um, then yeah, I look, it's exciting. So with any new technology, um, the the things that are accomplished first with it are really just the, the reimagining of processes for both work and play, for, for leisure and productivity, as they exist right now. It's really about either digitising or uh, recreating those processes, uh, those, those procedures, um, those practices in ways that can be applied to the new technology. But the, the grandest ideas is stuff that people initially aren't even thinking about. And this is what's most exciting about blockchain, is that right now where we really utilise blockchain in most cases to think about how do we sort of update the existing and the stuff that doesn't exist yet that's that's you know that's 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 really exciting um, we would never have imagined uh, even maybe 10 years ago that technology would have arrived that completely changed uh, behaviour, things like Uber and Airbnb, where we are now hopping into a stranger's car, they're not a licensed taxi driver, where we are inviting strangers from around the world um, to stay in our homes. Um, you know, behaviour is a, uh, sorry, technology is a, is a catalyst for behaviour change, and the kinds of ideas that really do change society normally um, aren't even sort of dreamt up when, when new technologies first arrive, it's, it's stuff that comes a bit later. So what blockchain looks like in 10 years from now, that's, that's, um, that's what I'm really interested to see. So we hear that our jobs are getting replaced by robots and AIs, and that's largely true. But the upside is, we know the new jobs that are being created in and around technologies like blockchain. One day you'll think, man, if only I could go back to 2019 and have thought of one of those trillion dollar ideas that was only made possible by the blockchain. Well, now you have no excuse. And that's it for Future Sandwich, episode 21. Thanks to Professor Olga Mack from University of Berkeley. You can find her complete TED Talk in the show notes at futuresandwich.com. Also, David and Gemma from PowerLedger. Please check out their website at powerledger.io if you're interested in trading some of your solar power. What an awesome idea. And a big shout out to our blockchain guru, Jamie Skeller, one of the smartest guys around. You'll probably hear more from him here soon as he's recently joined an esports platform called Mogul. You can find more about it at mogul.gg. 
And finally, if you're at Pause Fest last Feb, thanks for joining our sessions. We had a great time there this year as usual. As always, thanks to Maddie Thompson for editing this like a boss. Andre, in this case, our roving reporter as well as writer. Thank you, mate. And Sema, it's an honour and privilege to have you join the team. I can't wait to see where we take this juggernaut, which is Future Sandwich. Subscribe to our newsletter at futuresandwich.com and follow us on all the socials. We're always keen to get your feedback on the show. Thank you for listening and see you in the not-too-distant future. Future.